you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast would let Jamal Williams get his touchdown. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal sitting in for for Dan Hansis in the host chair. He'll be back Thursday, but I'm surrounded by a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Patrick Laban. We're here. Hey, guys. It's great to have you back, Patrick. I don't know when when the last visit was. I I don't Log remember. Of war but scenario. It wasn't that long ago. It, it was in the playoffs. It wasn't that long, but it also it's anytime I'm not with you guys is you not, feel that. Yeah. Mm. So there's a hole that has been filled. Right. It's um <laughs> it's like Connor or or maybe it was Dan's old saying at the combine, which uh, if you can tell by the sound quality here and by the say, the fact I said we're in the Chris Wessling podcast studio, we are not in Indianapolis breaking news uh but he used to say back in the day uh it's not about the meat when we would go to uh saint elmo's the the famous steakhouse Mm -hmm. it's about the meat ah that is a danism and i would say the same you know with with hanging out with you the the meat in this case would be the alpa store up in the huddle we had before whatever that was we had some carne asada carne asada it was it was good it was tasty and uh, I mean, I think we did such a good job uh, not going to the combine a year ago that the company, the people high upstairs said, let's not send them again because they th- they seem to thrive by not going to the location. Right. Itself. People still listen to the shows anyways. What, what do they really know? It's fine. Um, although I, I got to say, if, if you're listening, shadowy league figures out there, I'm officially putting in our request that we want to go back. For, I think we do. For 2025. If we are... Still gamefully employed at this company, which is, you know, never a guarantee. I want to. I want to push to go back. I think it's fine. It was nice. It's on some levels, it's easier to be here. But I want to go back. I, I'm back. with you. I think we should bring Patrick with us as well. Yes. Oh. Like to make it a, a full group experience. I too would also like to be employed by this spectacular <laughs> yeah. organization in 2025, and I would like to join you guys. Okay, it'll know. be fun. It is, it it is, is fun. a great company. It has been fun uh, going there, uh, but the, the years off were fine. And you know what? It was actually almost, on some level, it's easier to watch all these combine pressers. Now, back in our, ta- our, uh, our days as reporters, as real you know, dogged reporters, we would split up all the different podium sessions between the GMs and the coaches you know, 80, 90% of them have a 15-minute session on a podium. We would split it up. We would even have a draft when Kevin Patra and Connor Orr were involved, and we, we would split it all up. But oh, now dude, we're talking how the sausage gets made. Oh, <laughs> uh, This time we just sort of watched on Twitter, watched on NFL Network, and uh, we got a lot of good sound. So we're going to play a game to start this show. Uh, we've got Eric back behind the glass. Randy is back there as well. And they've been putting together sound clips all day of uh, what's been coming out of these combine pressers. So even before we get to a little bit of news, this felt like the news. This felt meteor. We're going to play a little game um, of do we believe it? I like the meteor callback. Yes. <laughs> do, we, do we believe what these men are saying? 
And um, in this case, it is it is all men at these podiums. We don't have a, a woman head coach or a, a woman GM. It's do we believe what these men are saying? Maybe that's the name of the segment. We haven't discussed that beforehand. What do you think? I think it's um it is you know appropriate on multiple levels. Uh, yes, I tend to believe nothing, so I want to see if someone can convince me otherwise. Mm. What about if you believe? Okay, if you believe. Yeah, just if you believe. If you believe. As the name, I don't know. Eric. Break the tie. I like. Do you believe? Do you, do you believe, believe these yeah. men? I like having these. <laughs> I think men when you originally pitched, these, it, you said. Do I think you in twenty twenty four, the answer would be no to most. Do you believe yeah. them? Most that was that the original people. pitch. Okay. Um, let's start with with Quesi, Quesi Adolfamenta, who's uh, in the spotlight right now because of a lot of these Justin Jefferson talks. I'm getting texts from people. I'm get. You're getting these like aggregator who's covering another aggregator, who's covering someone who heard whispers that Justin Jefferson um, may be traded. And it's been kind of the story of the last couple of weeks. It's been annoying me because no one's actually really reported anything. Quesi had some first-person comments on the topic today. We got unbelievably close. We've said it and we'll continue to say it. We think he's the best wide receiver in the league and should be compensated as such. We think he's one of the best non-quarterbacks in the league. think he should be compensated as such. And so we'll continue to have those dialogues and those conversations. I promise them and I will continue to promise them that I will not talk about our negotiations. I think this job should be done with integrity. So this, a lot of the stuff that I hear is completely false. Mm. But I can't get up here and tell you what's not true or not false because that's not, that's not how I've, I promise to do this job. So he was talking about contract negotiations that he had had with Jefferson. How close he was. I tend to, uh, despite my comments that I like, <laughs> theoretically believe no one on, on these, in these places, I do, I do believe them because I think part of it is they went through a process last offseason where they cut salary, they cut some veterans, they're in a bit of a rebuild, but why on earth would you, how do you sell to your fans? Part of this is, you know, the PR of it. How do you sell to anyone, including whoever's going to be your quarterback, the rest of your offense, the rest of your locker room, we're going to find a way to trade the most exciting young wide receiver in the league. And then what's the pathway forward? So I think, yes, they're going to keep him. They want to make it happen. That's my, that's my thought on that. Yeah. I mean, just taking it all into context, just be- watching the clip, I believe him. I'm at 85% belief. But then, like, the sourcing on this trade rumor doesn't make any sense. It, like Greg said, it's this game of telephone that doesn't have a beginning call and – why would they trade Justin Jefferson? Like the the whole point right. of this entire process that we're in Indianapolis to do is to evaluate talent, acquire that talent, and hopefully have them on your football team. What's the point of getting a known commodity that you know, as Quessy said, is one of the best players in the game? If you're if you're going to trade for what? Right, they got him by <laughs> trading Stefan Diggs, and it was like you're not going to just keep merry-go-rounding this. Right, I forget now who it was, and I, I apologize on Twitter who was saying like, yeah, like who knows? They could maybe even not keep Cousins. They could end up using some of these draft picks to get a young quarterback. You take one at eleven, and then eventually you use all these resources to go find a number one receiver <laughs> to find like to support this young quarterback. So I did think this was newsworthy. It was noteworthy. I believe him because of the clarity and um, aggression in which he said that the rumors were false and also that they got so close. That was new. We never heard that, that he said we were, we were extremely close to getting a contract done previously. I think he's talking about, um, you know, during last season or before last season. So the fact that he's saying that now or, or the last time they talk, I feel very confident. I believe you, Quessy. 
Uh, let's see if we believe Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings coach, who's going to talk about Kirk Cousins and his future with the team. The thing about free agency itself is this is not Kirk's first time in free agency. Uh, Kirk Cousins knows how I feel about him. Uh, I've held no secrets there. Uh, he knows how the Minnesota Vikings feel about him. I believe Kirk wants to be a Viking. Um, and we're going to work uh, to try to make that uh, the outcome. I believe Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> because, again, maybe it's a Vikings thing. It just makes sense, right? Kirk's ultimately going to make a financial decision uh, for him and his family. The Vikings are going to try to be a part of that. They don't necessarily know the outcomes, but I, I don't think there's a reason not to try. Right. And, and I did like the timing from Kirk. He was throwing a football and like doing a, a kind of like 40% drop back. On a uh, tennis court. On a tennis court. That kind of reason. threw me. How do you feel about that, Greg? Would you want Kirk Cousins on you? Yeah. Okay. I, I believe that. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I believe Kirk is in the former tennis oh, yeah. star club, along with Matthew Stafford and mm. Drew Brees, which does support that tennis is an extremely athletic yeah. uh, sport. Unfortunately, apparently, <laughs> you know, we're losing our best athletes to the NFL. But, but he's also a, a, a proven stage tennis. actor. Like we've seen him, yeah. you know, from a musical angle. Um. The Vikings, maybe they're just a believable, uh, perhaps transparent organization. But I think Kevin O'Connell also came out and said, wait a minute, this is one of the huge reasons I wanted to come here. And it's like, if you're a coach who is an offensive minded coach and your quarterback is at the center of that, like you, you go move on from Kirk Cousins to what? And suddenly you could be in a total abyss if you, and he pointed out how much he thought that Cousins was playing like a top quarterback before he got injured last year too. So I, I think they would, they're open to bringing him back, and we'll just see what happens. Right. I believe that Kirk, all things being equal, like if for some reason the Vikings would match any deal out there, I believe Kevin O'Connell that Kirk Cousins would rather just stay in Minnesota. Why wouldn't he? Uh, you could see it on the quarterback show. You can. See, it's just logical. You got kids in school. You have a yeah. great, you have a great system. If they're not equal and another team wants to blow the Vikings out of the water and the Vikings aren't prepared to pay $50 million a year, $100 million guaranteed, and there is a team out there that might want to do that, whether that's Atlanta or someone else, then it's a totally different conversation, and, and he could lose. So I, so we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not as confident that Minnesota and Questy will meet that sort of price, but I also have no idea if anyone's even going to make that sort of price because he's... He's still 36 coming off a torn Achilles. I, exactly. I think that can't be ignored. And, and that's why Quessy's answer is believable. And the outcome of that is believable because With Jefferson. This, yeah, because this answer, while I believe Kevin O'Connell, it's not as certain that I'm thinking in three years, Kirk Cousins is going to be in Minnesota. Right. Whereas I feel pretty confident True. in three years. Or even, Jefferson yeah, or even three months. We <laughs> saw Kirk Cousins. Uh, I saw him on the insider show. He did had some like, gold uh, grill to his teeth and uh, Justin Jefferson appreciated that. So look, they're all, they're all getting along. They're buddies. Uh, it's not as uh, kumbaya, I wouldn't say, in Chicago. I thought Ryan Poles, their GM, had um, some telling comments when he spoke about Justin Fields on Tuesday. I will say this. Um, I think you guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. I mean, when I hear we want to do right by Justin Fields in the context of like, if we move him, it matters to us that he doesn't get dropped off a cliff into the worst situation somewhere else. Um, I mean, 
We'll talk to Nate Tice later about some quarterbacks. Um, I would say one thing, like I, as the weeks have gone on, I put it at like 0% that they're keeping Justin Fields. I just put it at about 0%. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've been on, I've been on that corner that I just, I just didn't, I just didn't see it for many reasons. The biggest ones being that there's two, two or three great quarterback prospects in this, in this class. And I just think they're a, a little uncertain about fields and th- that's, it's just logical. And uh, the fact that he repeated those words you said, or that you heard multiple times, almost like he ha- he had it a little ready that he, he if they do it, they want to do right by Justin. They don't want to live in the gray. And he went on polls to like multiple other interviews. He, he wasn't afraid to like talk about this. And it, if, if Justin Fields was their quarterback, they would know by now. If they're planning to take a quarterback first uh, overall, they know by now. They, it's not like they're waiting to decide. So they know what they're going to do. You do not say that about your franchise quarterback publicly if you are going to keep him, period. They, they know they're trading him. And what, one thing we didn't hear was he even put a timeline on it that, like, ideally in the next couple of weeks, basically that it's sooner than later, it makes more sense if it happens before or right at the beginning of free agency. Yeah, and, and that's one thing that makes sense for the Bears and it makes sense for Justin. And, and I think what, what Poles is doing there is acknowledging that this is a difficult situation for Justin, who didn't do anything to anybody. Right, he didn't, no. he didn't run afoul of anybody. No, uh, the Bears feel that they can have a better chance to get a better quarterback uh, coming up in the draft, and it, he's acknowledging the circumstance. While, and who knows? Like, do does these conversations really change the trade price? Like, no, they th- don't. So, no. like, I don't understand why we have to like be coy about it because the price is going to be the price. But it, I'll ding him for the coyness, but I do believe that he's he's not angry at Justin he doesn't want to put Justin in a negative circumstance and it, it when it comes to making the trade it it's ultimately going to benefit Justin because some team obviously wants him and the Bears they don't and I don't think it's even that I don't think it's coy I think that's the NFL version of of not coy and yet like when people are like well he's got to play his cards close to the vest to like you know keep his leverage of what it's like either Justin Fields is available or he's not the team's trading for him, they're going to know if he's available or not. You need to know that before you trade for him. Yeah, and Paul said he wanted to know himself (laughs) like by tomorrow. Like, they want to come learn about these other quarterbacks. Right. You've already made your decision. Right. Uh, So, uh, that's going to be one of the most fascinating stories over the next couple weeks. Could the Giants be one of the teams that would be on Justin Fields? That would be a little wild, but uh, who knows? Let's listen to Joe Shane talk about Daniel Jones's future with the team. Joe Shane is the GM of the Giants. I have faith in Daniel. I have faith in Daniel as our starting quarterback. Mm. He was answering questions there about Jones's future, not exactly answering the question, but just saying that he has faith in Daniel. And he's a little, you know, a little sharp there. I, I can't think of a team that should have a more active wandering eye at this position than the Giants. I think they mismanaged this exact process with Jones and Saquon a year ago about as poorly as you could. And you're kind of back in the same situation. Jones has a very big price tag, which I think is a problem. But like you, they, to me, feel like a legit candidate to draft another quarterback to compete with Daniel Jones immediately, money aside. Yes, I don't believe Joe Shane in this in this one that he has faith in Daniel Jones as his starting quarterback. Did it sound like it? Yeah, I think it was... I think he's gonna bring another option in. The timing is tricky because, like, he, I think he even said he's bringing a veteran in. Uh, he said he told Daniel Jones that, and that makes sense. Tyrod's a free agent. Daniel Jones isn't gonna be able to 
be healthy for a, a while. So even if you're drafting a rookie number six overall or even trading up, you're going to want a tie rod type or a veteran to bring in. So it'll be interesting to see what type they bring in along with what I believe is going to be a rookie. I don't believe him. Yeah, I, I believe, I guess, in the spirit because he chose his words very carefully. Like he, Daniel Jones is is their starting quarterback as per the plans. But he said he has faith in him. Faith I don't believe him. he has faith. Let's in get a few beers really. in Joe Shane and see yeah. what he says. But, but it seems like the, the the obvious scenario we're evaluating in in New Jersey is that there's not a lot of reason uh, to have have that faith in Daniel Jones' longtime prospects as the Giants' starting quarterback. It's crazy that they gave him that contract, which guarantees him $40 million this year, or else he wouldn't be on, on the team. If but, he, hey, at least they didn't pay the running back, right? Because that that's the worst-case <laughs> right. scenario. Right. Uh, one little <laughs> nugget there was he opened up the possibility of using the franchise tag on Saquon. Uh, Joe Shane did kind of pushing back against an Adam Schefter report from Monday that the Giants weren't planning to use the tag on him. He also, by the way, mentioned that the Cowboys aren't planning to use it on Pollard. The Raiders aren't planning to use it on Jacobs. The Chargers aren't planning to use it on Eckler. None of those are surprises at all. But Shane throwing it out there publicly that actually the cap went up $30 million and that might have changed our math that maybe we would use the tag on Saquon. Worth noting, uh, this was the first time, and if we were there, date, uh, Mark, I would have tried to draft Dave Canales, the Panthers. You'd want coach. to cover that press. I would want to cover. I think it'd be a high draft. Pick. Sure. Where, where, like, where do you see that? I, I think the Who draft process. We, you know, we'd sit there, like, we'd go out and have dinner, and we'd literally the four or five reporters would like go from top to bottom. And I think the process was like, don't get stuck with the GM or coach you don't want to cover. Right. Um, and I like new faces, so he would yes. have been high on my list. Yeah, I always want to see the new face. And Canales came out firing at his first presser. How's it going? How's everybody doing? Great. Had a nice workout earlier. Ready to rock. Okay, his just the intensity and the tight-fitting lycra on him. It was a lot, and it's I like it. And uh, I want to hear more from Dave Canales about uh, his thoughts on his quarterback. Uh, no plan to fix Bryce Young. Um, I think for me, it's it's about building an offense that we can be uh, proud of. Something that um, something that is uh, tough. Something that is smart. That that um, takes care of the football. Number one, we got to create more explosives, and then and then of course we have to minimize damage with exotic pressures and things like that. So I think just elevating the whole group um, and and really asking Bryce to just do his part. Vibe-wise, like, what are you picking up here from Canales? I'm picking up that the workout wasn't that intense that he had. Yeah. The, that's a lot of energy. So I, I, don't, oh. I, I don't know that it was maybe, – maybe the volume was there. The intensity wasn't necessarily there. Uh, he seems the like he would be, like, a good instructor of, like, aerobics. Yeah. Oh, I think or so. Or just maybe a strength trainer. I, I'd say that um, <laughs> I'd have to caution myself that that type of persona sometimes where it's like, hey, I'm great. I worked out this morning and had a healthy breakfast. It's like – that kind of person can rub me the wrong way at a certain hour of the morning. He did elaborate, but, you know, guys, right after that. He said it was like a um, a CrossFit kind of thing and then ended with a, a steep incline walk. Okay. But okay. He, fra he framed it as very sweaty. Yeah, so he, he did like some circuit training. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel pretty confident. He's a fit dude. He's a fit guy, and I think that he is a good fit for Carolina. <laughs> I do think that all of those problems from 2023 were, were not Bryce-related. It, it took a mm. team effort to be that bad. So I do believe him. I do believe him that the plan is to come in and fix Bryce. The plan is to have a functional offense that is NFL level and competent. 
and then we can evaluate Bryce. But I don't, I don't know that you could really evaluate anybody on that offense. I think also from a, his own belief that he can improve all this, Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield, like comeback player of the year and a comeback player of the year candidate in my book, um, two guys whose careers were lost. And so why come in and say, we need to fix right. Rice? Like you don't label him that way. You kind of lift all the blame off of the quarterback and start fresh. Yeah, I think C.J. Stroud was was quoted in, in, during Super Bowl week, you know, him having a conversation with Bryce Young of just like, never forget who you are, why you, you were the one. You were the one, not me. And like kind of saying like everything that happened, like you're still that dude and that's going to be a big part of Canales, uh, the mental side of it. I think Mike Daniel did a good job with, with Tua, for instance. Uh, Tua had played a couple years before. Uh, it's just Bryce Young. And yeah, I think of Alex Smith, um, who had the worst rookie season I've seen from a, a first round pick, certainly a first overall pick. And um, the very next year, got a good coordinator, Norv Turner, and played a thousand percent better and went from the worst quarterback in the league to like a league average quarterback, which is pretty good for a second year. They, they probably are aiming higher with Bryce, but I, I can see the, the parallels and and what you said about just making the offense better. Uh, one person who is uh, not going to make it, the offense better in Denver, I think, is, is Russell Wilson. We're going to go out of Indianapolis, and we're going to go into what is either the home of Russell Wilson or Brandon Marshall. I'm not really sure. Or I think it was Russell Wilson. Okay. There's soon to be sold Denver home. There's comically large books. Right. I assume this was yeah. not Brandon Marshall's podcast studio. Because uh, I would be like, let's talk to them. No, this is because um, um, they got is, some cash. This is Russell Wilson's house. Because okay, I think right. Brandon Marshall makes a couple comments like yes. he sees Sierra or Sierra walking around, and he's like, oh, there goes C. So it's it's at Russell Wilson's house. I gotta say, I would be a better podcast host if I had listened to all of this podcast because I actually want to. Because when I heard eighty minutes of this, I thought that actually it, it's a good use of one point five speed. I don't know if you're into that with podcasts. I I approve it now in certain circumstances, not like comedy, not if you really love the guest or something, but if you just... For I, information purposes. This would be a good yeah. one, 1. 1.5, but I want to listen to it because I have a feeling it's going to be fun, but I've listened to about seven or eight different uh, sections of it, and some of them were like two or three minutes long, so I've listened to a lot of it, including uh, this first one on, on Russell Wilson talking about winning is a habit. Listen, I think in a 12-year period, there hasn't been much that I haven't gone through. I've been through all the winning, been through some of the losing, not all of it. <laughs> Somebody said some, some of it. <laughs> get, don't get used to it. Yeah, right, right. Because so many people get used to losing. Right. Right. Winning is a habit, but losing is too. Mm. And that's not a habit I'm taking in. Mm. That's not a habit I believe in. Mm. Does not believe it. The the haircut's different. I feel like it means business. He's now uh, freshly shorn, uh, wearing it tight like like a Patrick uh, Claybon. Uh, Russell Wilson also tried to leave open the possibility that he could stay in Denver? I got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years of what I've gone through. Whether if it's in Denver or somewhere else, I, I hope it's in Denver. You know, I hope I get to finish there. I, I, I committed there. I wanted to be there. You know, I want to be there. Hold on. The, you, want, you can go back to Denver, bro? I can go back there. You can play with Coach Payton again? Yeah. That was Russell Wilson and Brandon Marshall on the I Am Athlete podcast. I mean, I... I, I think you just have to look at the Russell Wilson experience in, in a different way than someone else answering that question. Like, he's admitting no defeat. I will say for, for, he's an easy target, and I find him grating to listen to if he goes on and on about his sports psychology stuff. But the one 
honest comments I thought he said during the season was that how hard last year was for him and how hard this season was just to be a different, to be seen so differently. I can't think of another quarterback that went from star power to off, like completely, we look at him as like a failure at this point and to go through that personally probably would try you. But like, I don't think in his world of worlds, he's getting paid. He's going to get paid a ton of guaranteed money. Was Why would you want to go back into this cauldron, this experience which coach Sean Payton, who openly doesn't want you to be now body language and tone did a lot of work there because when he, when Brandon Marshall was like, really? And he was, and then Russell Good question Wilson, by Brandon Marshall. No, yeah. And Randall, yeah. Russell Wilson gives him kind of like, yeah, yeah. He sort of like <laughs> gave him a like, well, maybe, you know, you know, not really. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not something that he's going to personally enjoy. Like, I, I don't think Russ is, is going to be chilling at Sean Payton's house and they're going to be sharing memories about their, their times together. Um, but I, I do think Russ would like a chance to be a starting quarterback somewhere, and if that's Denver, he'll mm. he'll take he'll take that chance. That's your only chance. Yeah. Yep. If if that's the, if that's the only one, but yeah, it it's grading and it gives weird podcast grifter. But like I, I wonder, <laughs> like, because so many of those people, like we have a nation of people that got grifted. People bought all those power energy band bracelets and. And like grifting, list, listen to hours of Tony Robbins. We power but, energy. Yeah, there, there was this, there was this company that they oh, said right. that they put holograms. Actually, my son Walker it has does wear this one that uh, they said is good for like your stomach uh, if you get car sick, which I I think it has as much effectiveness, yeah. but it tricks them into thinking it works. But yeah, like mm. it, it's weird that people <laughs> fall for all that stuff, but for some reason, like Russell Wilson can't necessarily get away with it but i i think it's all the same mm. um but it's good point it's just he, he he is tiring but he's a better quarterback than mason rudolph you know and, well and, sure and, and and like the price tag clearly is 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 the difference but it just it feels weird if he's if he's priced out i do um, worry about him though because he's just this re- relentless positivity positively he's gonna believe that his belief will take him to the next level because it has. He's achieved more than anyone would have ever imagined. A, a third-round pick who is a Super Bowl champion, one of the seven or eight best quarterbacks of the last, like, ten years. Nine Pro Bowls. Right. Like, <laughs> he's achieved it all, and yet it's, I, don't, I don't think it's coming. He's a, not, this, isn't, this doesn't happen to every quarterback, but for him, I don't give much chance of it coming back. It's not coming back. And I don't think even the starting job is coming back. And so for him to adjust to what that's going to be like, I, I think it's going to be difficult. And I thought it was going to be difficult sometimes for guys, and they end up doing it really well. I think Cam Newton transitioned into that second Patriots phase of his career pretty damn well, and it worked for him. So maybe Russell Wilson will end up doing that, even if he's not playing that well, like where he's a good teammate and like he fits in and it's fine. But to me, it, it's going to be hard for him to adjust to a point where he's like, backing up Drake May or something like and that. And when the Steelers tell us, and I don't know if I believe them at this point either, but that they not, they're not chasing another quarterback, I'm, I'm struggling to find the team out there that inside their building convince themselves Russell Wilson can be our starting quarterback and this is going to work well. Right, so he's probably going to get cut. He sent a, a, a video of him working out today with Brandon Marshall. They're working out together. Let's go, let's ride, baby. Two, um, you know, Love Nipsey Hustle, but I feel like we got to move on from the like grinding on my grinding all my life song is the song for every workout video for for pro athletes. At some point, we we need to move past that. Um, we're not moving past Sean Payton though, who 
<laughs> had kind of amazing comments. You know he's getting annoyed by Russell Wilson continuing to talk about uh, the contractual nefarious stuff that Russell Wilson uh, was asked to do by the Broncos. And you know it's annoying the Broncos that, that Russell Wilson keeps bringing this up. I think that might be why Sean Payton kept honking about it on Tuesday. I saw this like humorous meme the other day where there was a, a Bronco fan with a shirt on and there was like eight quarterbacks names with a cross through it, you know, and and he's drinking the quarterback Kool-Aid and I, you know, our, our job is to make sure that this next one, you know, doesn't have a line through it. Mm. Uh, I do believe him. Yes, I believe him. The the next, the fact that he says the next one, uh, he also put a timeline on Wilson. <clears throat> so I would I would anticipate it being uh, you know within the next two weeks. So you don't think this is going to go to the eve of March seventh? I think I just said the next two weeks. Yeah, next two weeks. <laughs> I love a little fiery uh, Don Payton. He. It's a fun value add to have back. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to remember how he was at the very start of his career, but the, he has zero. Um, he openly has zero patience for half of these conversations at this point. Yeah, he, and he's he's clear. He lets us know, and and that's the thing. It's, it's easy to believe Sean Payton because you know he's going to say whatever uh, comes to mind, and uh, he, he said it there. We're good. We're going to know. Heart. He's got the Paris, you know, Saint Germain, the cool hoodie on, and he's got the Jordans, and he, he's living life. I don't, you know. He's doing fine. Let's, uh, we're going to listen to a few more th- people if we believe them or not. And uh, before we do that, though, we're going to take a little break. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We are back, and so are the stars of tomorrow. Taking the field in Indianapolis, we have a front row seat waiting for you. Watch live as our analysts are joined by current players to break down the top quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs as they compete at the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine, Don't Miss Players Only Combine, presented by Noble, with coverage starting Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on NFL Plus. The boy, the boy's into it. The boy wants to watch some some combine action. Walker, Walker. Oh yeah, a, a completist. He got, he got a draft board. He's been in it. He he was all excited because they were showing. Old NFL combines, apparently, on like the NFL channel, and he was confused, thought that was live. I was like, no, don't watch this. Let's, let's wait. For the I also NFL. saw he was watching uh, one of those it. top 10 shows with an old clip of Wes he is, back in the day. He Filled is the a true junkie, and so he was using his TV time to watch old uh, top 10 in-season trades, I believe was the episode, Ooh. and Wes was spouting wisdom about the Bobby Lane trade from Detroit, <laughs> which is the most... West thing ever and talking about this curse and uh, it's a beautiful it truly is a beautiful thing we like walk in a room and see your son and he's watching this thing and <laughs> Wes is on it so Wes lives on and that like he was so strong in those episodes if, if you ever have a hankering you should go check check those out. He was made for the for that content. Right yeah. and I was on that episode too and um, you were also made for that content. Yes. No I you, I you were Greg because like 
when I see those number interstitials on the yeah. top 10s and there's like a ball bursting through a, 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 an aquarium with the number six on it and then Greg Rosenthal's right. face comes up, like that's... Or it's like, wait, television. why are there like uh, like five buxom cheerleaders and then number seven? <laughs> and it's like, wait, why are they there exactly? But that's like the whole show is just like, is oh. the cheerleader, you know, in in the interstitials. Does your does Walker think that every dad is just hanging out on television? No, I asked him no. that, and he thinks it's cool. But but no, I was bad back. We all get better at our jobs. You were saying you had regrets, I believe, um, about an interview you just did yesterday. yesterday. I, I often have regrets about uh, performances on this show, and I can say without a doubt, if if I could do those top tens again, I would be better at them now than I was seven or eight. Years well, ago. I would say one thing behind I, the glass, like they often are filmed at the combine and like it's like go yes. out till three in the morning <laughs> and then film this at seven in the morning. That was a little bit of it. But yeah, Emika came over and she supported my claim. She's like, yeah, you're just so chill. Why are you just and, and I'm just like being very like chill and laid back, which is not the way to do that. You got to be more like D.A. Dan, D- Damon Ammon Deloria or whatever. You got to come hot. Right. You got to come decisive. He does it. Not that I would do that. I'm just saying, trust me, we all get better. Not at things that we do. I, I would be better. We would all be better, I think. Yeah, I didn't make, I didn't make my combine appearance <laughs> that time. So like, you know, I, mean, I could do better as well. Mark is a, a striking television presence from, you know, he came from the, uh, the, the, the desk at NFL Network yes, in that's, 2020. You, know, you were a different man back then. A bit of an end around the television executives here. Not sure how that <laughs> how that all came together. Uh, AJ Brown uh, was on WIP last week, and we're going to include him in in this. Uh, do you believe section? Because uh, it it was talked about uh, in Philly, and and certainly by Howie Roseman uh, at his combine presser. And and AJ Brown was talking about the rumors um, of whether he would want to stay in Philly or not. I have no problem. I want to be here. It's as simple as that. I love where I'm at. As simple as that. Next question. And he also hit on uh, the talk that there could be friction with him and his quarterback. You know, I think that's total BS. You know, I'm not going to get into me and his relationship uh, on the air, but it's total BS. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it wasn't It wasn't a problem when I was on my six-game six game streak. They, it wasn't they wasn't talking about that then. So they they only started talking about that when we started losing. So of course, yeah, you see friction, you see friction from everybody. Mm. From from the coaches, the players, from everybody. So yeah. So there you go. The one the one interesting like dynamic to this was that this was on, you know, WIP in Philly. Like he was sitting around listening to everyone going off on the radio and called in it wasn't a schedule. He called in on his own. To that makes me believe him. That makes me believe him. If you're gonna call right. into WIP out of nowhere, right? So I'm willing <laughs> to think that it was a very frustrating meltdown, and like that's a tough town to have a meltdown in. Yep. And I think it's like, look, it it worked really well the year before. There's still a lot of talented players on that on that team, and it's like I think AJ Brown's probably found some peace over all that happened, and it's like calling in to say, "Chill out, it's gonna be fine." From my side of things, yeah, and. Not to not to just make it everything about just how bad the offense was and how disjointed it seemed, but Jalen was hurt at the end of the season, and so was AJ. Like they were limping across the finish line. So you add all of that together, like yeah, there's frustrations. Like we saw Travis Kelsey go at Andy Reid in the actual Super Bowl, right? But as AJ pointed <laughs> out, they won, so everything's good. 
Like, we don't have these outside expectations on, on their relationship because they won. So then we're just to assume that everything's fine and they hug and everything's great. But it, it's just, like, such a binary thing. And I'm glad. Like, I'm glad that AJ, because people are, might say, like, oh, he's, he's clearly paying too much attention. But, like, people are talking about, like, yeah, you would like to be able to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, this, this is dumb. This, this has nothing to do mm. with anything. So, yes, I believe. I, I appreciate that. And I hope. I hope they keep A.G. Brown and Devontae Smith together for another year. I think they will. Uh, I think they know what they have. It might get a little tricky once Devontae's up for a new contract. He could get a new contract this offseason, but they, they might not address it yet. Like At some point, they might break those two up. We'll see. I, I thought it was interesting Howie Roseman also um, all but confirmed James Bradbury. He did confirm James Bradbury is going to be back uh, with the team. I think that's more of a contract Howie thing that, <laughs> that he has so many so much guaranteed uh, money in his contract, but I, like if the Eagles had the Chiefs defense, they would have been like in the conference championship. Like, and then no one would have been talking about the offense. The offense was okay for most of the year. Let's uh, move on to back to Indianapolis. Let's talk to Elliot Wolf. The fact that Elliot Wolf even had a podium uh, was news. The fact that Elliot Wolf uh, confirmed that he has final say on the Patriots roster. Like, this has been a slow build. It's kind of been the expectation. But Elliot Wolf uh, is that dude running the Patriots now, and they're uh, right in the thick of this quarterback talk because they're number three overall. Some people think they could take one. Some people think they could trade down. What does Elliot Wolf think? I think it's a really good year for quarterbacks. Um, it's a really good year at a lot of positions. Uh, like any position, we're going to we're going to evaluate their strengths and weaknesses, determine who fits for us. We're pretty early in the process here. Like I haven't met any of these guys. Gerard hasn't met any of these guys. So, you know, as we continue through the process here, we'll, we'll determine um, what's best for the team. And, you know, one thing uh, about the quarterbacks in this draft specifically that, that I'm excited about is they're, they all look like they're really tough guys, which, you know, is obviously great at any position, but the quarterback position, especially. Elliot Wolf's dad, Ron, the, the famous... He's starting to look like Ron Wolf. Right, GM of the Packers back in the day. Famously had a philosophy to draft a quarterback every single year. Ever since I heard that, that's been what I then say in articles and then a podcast. I was like, that, oh, that's a good move. Just draft a quarterback every year. It was kind of the Patriots move for a while, too, behind Brady. And uh, Ron Wolf would keep hitting on these late-round picks that would develop into backups that would be trade picks or be good people behind uh Brett Favre. so I think Elliot Wolf's gonna do that whether he does it with the number three pick or not I don't know he also had some interesting comments I think it was in a side session because Eric was was grinding tape he watched it three times over we couldn't find it anywhere on Twitter he he made this comment um that he he didn't want the the culture there to be as uh what was it as he said certainly there's guy vibe right certainly there's more of an open less of a hard-ass type hard -ass vibe type in the vibe. building now mm. Post Belichick. It's mm, interesting. Yeah, I figured if he said yeah. that on a camera in front of a mic, it wouldn't have been too hard to find the video of it. And yes. So. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that one will probably get back to Belichick. And Wolf shouldn't regret that he said it because he's just being honest. But uh, ask those ball boys how the negative he'll comments He'll probably go regret saying it. <laughs> well, it'll become a little thing in Boston. Either I mean, does it matter? No. Because. The one thing I don't believe about what Elliot said there is mm. that they're early in the process. Of well, the that's true, yeah. I, I, I think they've probably done a whole lot of work on the process. and Maybe there's a few conversations that they would like to have in person, but I think they're pretty far on. Good I mean, point. Elliot Wolf has been around, like, 
there were a lot of like John Schneider and other people that would go way back in the old Green Bay days where Ron Wolf was there and Elliot Wolf was like a kid. People knew him as a kid. Like he's been in the NFL forever. So I find his comments to be a little not hedging, but like he's not going to tell us a thing about what they're doing at quarterback. I'd be stunned if they don't have a bigger plan at quarterback than rerun go back with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Well, they have to be flexible because you with the three pick, you don't know what quarterback you're going to get. Let's say they like Drake May. And uh, as you mentioned, and I failed to mention at the beginning of the show, we are getting Nate Tyson to wrap up this show to talk some quarterbacks. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Caleb Williams doesn't get taken one and they love Caleb Williams and they want to trade to two and they have resources to get him. Or maybe Drake May falls to three and they would take him, but they wouldn't take Jaden Daniels or vice versa. Maybe they're really in on Jaden Daniels, and but he ends up going too, and then you have to be able to pivot. So there's a, a lot of things that they'll have to do before that, including getting, I think, someone in the building through free agency that's at least just there, regardless of what they're going to do uh, in the draft. He also was very high on calling Michael Owenyu a core piece and someone they want to build around, which made me think a franchise tag could be coming for Owenyu, just the the level of uh, support he was putting behind him made me think either they're going to get that deal done or maybe they might. Well, they had the third most cap room in the league. Right. So it's so, like so they I could, tend to think they'll be aggressive. In right. Anyways. And they weren't as, he wasn't as aggressive talking about Kyle Duggar. So I don't think a, a franchise tag would happen there. Uh, let's wrap up a couple more in Indy. Uh, Raheem Morris is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and he pointed to one reason why that, that could be the case. I'm not afraid to say that. We have the ability and we're capable to go out there and win next year. If we do some of the right things, some of the right moves, we can do that. And that's not an arrogance. That's not a confidence. That's not a cockiness. That is more of a credit to the people that were in the building with me still and some of the people that are not there now and what they've been able to do. You know, if we had better quarterback play last year in Atlanta, I might not be standing here. Mm. Perhaps the most honest thing that was said yeah. and correct thing that was said at the podium today from, from Indianapolis. It's 100% true. Uh, I think Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke would probably agree with that as well. I know Arthur Smith would. Um, you know, maybe there's a few people that think it's Jameis's fault that Arthur got uh, fired, but I think there was, there was a <laughs> no. few more things uh, that went into that. Yeah, the quarterback play was bad. Uh, it was especially bad in the red zone. They had so many opportunities, and you can think about them week after week after week, play after play, where they didn't get it done there uh, and, and go on the quarterback position, and that's that's the way the game goes. Yeah, it's like one reason for Falcons fans to immediately appreciate Raheem Morris, the way that he's been talked about from people inside the Rams organization and parts beyond, that this we needed an energy, sh energy shift around the Falcons mm -hmm. offense. And it's very clear right now that if Desmond Ritter is hanging around, he'll be a backup. They're going mm -hmm. somewhere else, and that, that was important, I think. Yeah, well, that uh, can't be fun to listen to if you're Desmond Ritter, but it, it makes a lot of sense. I. I'm excited about this Falcons coaching staff. Uh, it was interesting, I think, hearing Sean McVay. He gave a press conference in L.A. because he's not going to the Combine uh, about the guys that went to Atlanta and really believing that they put together a great coaching staff, which is, you know, diminished the Rams coaching staff. Uh, but that, that's how it works. Uh, let's wrap up with Tom Telesco, who's still in the NFL. He's still in the <laughs> AFC West. He did the rare thing where he lost uh, one job and got another. That that almost never happens to GMs, and it happened to Tom Telesco, of all people. I, I don't I don't mind Tom Telesco, but he's not like the guy that you would have expected that to happen. He is the guy that was asked about Devonte Adams possibly getting traded this offseason. 
I know the GM asked you this week about uh, whether Devontae is available for the uh, He's a Raider. Mm. It's quick. It Everyone. Is, it is true. It is true. Everyone took that to mean like there's no chance Devontae Adams is getting traded. That, I think that's probably true. I, I tend to also. But I, mean, I also don't totally. But I don't believe people should be having headlines that he said that we will not trade Devontae. No, I'm with you. I, I think it's important that like Devontae Adams was a big proponent of Antonio Pierce being hired and liked that because I think we were heading towards like irritated Devontae Adams territory with each passing week last season and a lot to do with the coach that got fired. And I think he's in a better place. Mm-hmm. Quarterback's still a big question though. Yeah, and it's a question I think they'll need to answer. Uh, and that's something in a conversation they'll need to have with Devontae. But ultimately, it's up to Mark Davis and Tom Telesco to make the circumstances comfortable enough for Devontae to be there. Mm. So it's, it's, it's their choice. Because I asked, um, we did TA with Steve Smith Sr., um, and I asked him, if, if you're Devontae, do you want to be back in Las Vegas? And Steve, like a lot of people, was like, well, depends on, depends on the financial circumstances. Mm. I mean, they can mm-hmm. make it worth his while to be on a bad football team. Well, what are they going to do? Pay him more money? If that's if that's what it takes. If, if, if not that, then, yeah, Devontae would probably like to, if he's going to play football. Jackpot, baby! Yeah, absolutely. But if you like living there and they get a decent enough quarterback, Justin Fields? Mm. Does, that, feel, does Justin Fields want to be with Luke Getze again? Does that's Luke Getze not, want that would be, Fields? that doesn't happen too often. No. Why not? I mean, it just doesn't what's, happen that often. What's to indicate that they wouldn't work together? Well, let's, let's get you, Mac Jones and Matt Patricia. Then. No, it's not quite <laughs> the same. I guess you're you're saying as a Justin Fields fan, if I could read between the lines here, you don't want him to be with Luke Getzey necessarily because you're not that confident in Getzey. Because otherwise, like it's familiarity with the system. He just said, okay, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I believe Patrick. No, I believe I you. Patrick, I believe you. But there's only so many. Uh, spots where he could land and i feel like that could be okay and if i was a raider fan i would like that at this point i feel like that would be a a good and there would be more hope with justin i mean considering the options he just just feels like that's what al davis would have done at this point is go get justin fields that would be an enticing Mm -hmm. matchup and i think you can get over the oc's part of it but the falcons also linger out there as a Mm -hmm. they loved other teams failed not failed, but second chance first round pick. Because Justin Fields occupies a weird space where, like, he was better than the average first round quarterback. Actually, if you, if you think about it, like he, he's he's better than average. He's just not a top five to ten quarterback yet. Mm. It's it's weird that the way that the draft doesn't feel like it impacts this as much as Cousins does. Mm. Yeah, like Cousins is going to slot so much in the quarterback position because it feels like if. Cousins is not there for Atlanta, then Fields becomes more viable. And then the field, like it, it may depend, like Russell Wilson may have a job or may not, depending on where Kirk Cousins goes. Cause it, That's the big chess piece yeah. right there, yeah. So we've, we've now honked for a while. It's, honk. been, it's been a little bit. Honk, honk. Uh, but we've got more to come. And before we do any of that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're actually going to do the news then. Whoa. That's wild. We're shaking things up, Eric. Innovative. After the break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We are back and uh, let's um, do some news. Uh, here is, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you what the news clip is before we even hear it, just to give you a little context. This was Peter King being prompted on NBC Sports Network uh, on the birth of my daughter, Ellis Rosenthal. Like Ellie, as in short for Ellis. And everybody's going to say, well, Ellis, Ellie is short for Ellis Burks. Rosenthal is a sick Red Sox fan. Unlike, or just like somebody else on this panel who shall not be named. And I'm, my only question is, couldn't you think of a better... Red Sox, uh, you know, Carly Yastrzemski, Ted mm. Williams, Ellis Burks. <laughs> Better than naming a girl Pudge, I guess. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that was this show we were on way back in 2011 on NBC Sports Network. And him roasting me uh, for my daughter's uh, name. Hey, congratulations to Greg, because we might not have had Peter King if he was talking reckless like that to me. <laughs> <laughs> would have been celebrating Peter King's 26-year career. Uh, yeah, that was, you know, I took it in, in good spirit, just the fact that he brought it up. I always remember, it, it's also the oldest thing on my phone. It's the oldest saved thing on my phone. And Peter King, of course, uh, retired, uh, surprisingly, out of nowhere uh, this week, uh, wrote his last football morning in America column so happy trails peter king no one quite like him in in football media over the last no what, no years. like i i was thinking about like this one combine many years ago where you know the, back then you had these long tables where you'd write and you'd be sitting down with people from other you know publications and stations and like peter king came and sat down like a seat away from me and like i was like i'm not gonna bug him but i was like this is one of the few kind of football reporters slash football minds where i was like kind of starstruck and like i it's like to him growing up reading Sports Illustrated, growing up reading these guys like Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman and Peter King are like the two dudes that I would just say had these lengthy, incredible careers that where they changed football so much. And Peter King, I think the thing, the one thing I heard about him consistently and over and over, and you knew when you were young, Greg, in the business was that I guess like his most recent going away, like a going away type dinner. Mm -hmm. It was a mix of like 10 old school veteran journalists that he'd worked with for ages, but then like 10 people that were very new to the industry that he just wanted to be part of that as well. He like, seemed to always nurture, care about young journalists. Gave a, he really showed incredible faith in a, a, some of them that aren't journalists anymore. It wasn't just lifers that he knew would be. And I think Peter King is just a very special part of this industry. And it's like, there is no replacing him. Right. I mean, he kind of bridges the, the gap of all these generations. And he was like, the guy, which it's pretty, you know, in an industry as big as, you know, football writing. And there were other guys over the years, but for a long time, like he kind of was the guy, like when John Harbaugh, I, I believe spoke about it. And a couple people this week of like, you know, they're going to miss, they, they grew up, Eric DaCosta grew up reading Peter King and have those memories of those conversations. And he, I think the thing he did better than anyone else is he got good. He got players to talk in a way he got them comfortable to explain the game or explain stories behind the game in a way um, that was really unique. And he did that with sports illustrated. And then he did that on the web with, with MMQB. Um, and then, you know, to TV when he was on 
Football Night in America and everything. He, he has a great book, Inside the Helmet, where he goes through different positions and gets really... And I feel like it's probably out of print. I don't even know. But if you could find it, that was a really great uh, inside look where he spends a lot of time with some of the best players in the NFL. And it's back back in the 90s. It's great. And and I, I really think, because like watching you guys um, go around and interact with people, and I do want to celebrate Peter King, but y'all deserve flowers too. And I'm going to be honest, like... Uh, because you talked about spanning and connecting mm-hmm. these legacies, like you guys connect those legacies as well. And the one thing that I was thinking about, because Peter came on Total Access uh, the day he retired, was we ran out of time because, you know, Peter writes a 10,000-word column every single week for 30 years. So, you know, sometimes it can run a little long. Um, <laughs> but hopefully the industry facilitates growth, right, for the next generation of people. Yeah. Uh, that can come through and hopefully get that access and, and be around and, and to do these interviews and to have these relationships because uh, sometimes it feels like they won't. Um, but but I think uh, in the people that I'm sitting with at this table and, you know, the dude who's not here and, of course, the, the noble one who's who's not with us anymore, uh, that legacy is, mm. it, it exists. And I just, I don't know why I put on me to say this, but I, I think it's well, celebrating. Wow, Patrick, like that kind of made my... Week, I don't know. Sometimes you just kind of forget what you even do during the that day. Is, that is that is really um, right back at you. Appreciated, and it's one of the reasons why I miss going to the combine because yes. that's a week for that. For you, you do realize like how long you've been doing this. You see the new people coming up. It, it is a time to have those sort of meetings, dinners, advice, all that mm-hmm. uh, sort of stuff. And yeah, Peter was very helpful to me. That. That Friday show we did, he actually, we had a segment, my old producer, Matt Casey, reminded me, where Peter essentially played the fantasy football buffoon. Like, how am I messing up in fantasy football? And I was the fantasy, quote-unquote, expert, and that was my role on the show, was like the Michael Fabiano of that show. Uh, and I would come on, and we would talk fantasy. We would talk, like, reality and fantasy. Peter would sort of talk about his takes and how that would apply to fantasy, and I would kind of come at him. I was like, actually, no. Uh, and we had fun doing that, and he, would, uh, he, was, he was very nice. He would give me and, and Matt a ride back to the city in his, in his car. That made a big difference with a newborn getting back a, an hour earlier instead of having to take the train and had great conversations, and, and he was just a, a great dude. And, yeah, that book I mentioned – uh, deep interviews and sort of like what it's like to play these positions and stuff uh, with Boomer Esiason, Barry Sanders, Bruce Smith, Jimmy Johnson. It's a re- it's a really cool, uh, well-written book shows, I think, what, what he does well. So happy trails to Peter King. We're going to fly through some news that I just thought was worth noting. So jump in when, whenever you want to hear. Uh, first, let's talk a little just rule stuff. Uh, the end zone touchdown rule. Uh, where the ball is fumbled into the end zone and, and then the other team uh, gets it on the 20. That's not going to change. It's over. That That is not going to change, despite some people thinking it's going to change. It's not going to change. I, I find it annoying because the NFL seems to do a good job in the offseason of sussing out rules that seem to kind of generate a lot of, like, why does this rule still exist? And, like, this is one where you could, I think, temper, like, the cause and effect of that kind of a fumble, and it would make sense to everyone, and we're not doing it. I think move it. I think keep the ball but you move it back to the 20. I, I just... Something all, like that. I maintain not, the sideline should be the sideline all the way down. The, if somebody fumbles out of the back of the end zone, that's different. If somebody fumbles in the end zone, the other team recovers it clearly. But I, I just don't understand the, the sideline outside of the end zone being different. But You know, there's new competition committee members, Sean McDermott, Sean McVay. Uh, maybe they weren't into it because, like, this thing... Well, they didn't even go to the combine. It so. didn't even get... <laughs> 
They must have been on the conference call or whatever because uh, it didn't even get out of committee, essentially. Stephen Jones talked about it, McDermott too. McDermott benefited from that role in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the other thing I thought, just a quick note, we, we don't even need to discuss it, is Andrew Barry, uh, your guy in Cleveland. I like that he's trying to push, and the Browns are proposing pushing back the trade deadline, which I've been talking about for years. I think that would be great. So we'll follow up on that if that actually goes through. But I like that the Browns are trying to get that done. Some business um, happened over the weekend. T. Higgins officially got the franchise tag. And some thought is uh, that he might get traded. Like that, that seems to be a more realistic possibility than with most franchise tags. I can't tell if it's just speculation or if, there's reasons behind it. Brian Burns uh, also looks likely to get a tag. Uh, Dan Morgan, the new Panthers GM, said today, like, if we need to, essentially. We'll I don't know why you'd trade Higgins, considering who the Bengals are right now, where your position in the AFC, who your quarterback is, and what that wide receiver room starts to look like if you take Higgins off the team. Yeah, it's it's like how much Andre Yosevas are, are we willing to build this this airplane out of? Why not run it back with T at, at least one more time? I think that's what they will do. I'm a little torn. If they're not going to pay T Higgins the money that he'll deserve and will earn next year, and they've been a team that has been willing to just franchise tag guys and then lose them eventually, that that's happened a number of times, including with with Jesse Bates. I think. Like you could get a pretty, you know, you, you might be able to get like the 17th pick of the draft or the 20th pick of the draft and you take a wide receiver there. Is that crazy? I don't think that's crazy. Well, it's like Diggs Jefferson. If you can pull that off, if yeah. you, if you get an well, offer, that I, allows I know you, you to probably, the, the odds are you probably won't get it right, but the, the players coming out now have a pretty high success rate at wide receiver. I was trying to think of teams that would maybe give up a first-round pick for T. Higgins, and this probably wouldn't happen until August, April anyways, but, like, the Colts, that's in the middle of the draft. The Bucks, if Mike Evans leaves, like, the Texans, the Bills, the Lions. Like, would you trade for the 25th pick for T. Higgins? I actually, I'm maybe leaning no, but I I, I don't hate it either way. Yeah, it depends on your how you view your window. Like, let's say that the, the punt doesn't, doesn't hit the 49ers and McLeod is able to recover it and the Chiefs lose the Super Bowl like and they're out of the Mike Evans run you know are, are they willing or would the Bengals be willing to give T Higgins to the Kansas City Chiefs no the is Chiefs it? forget it but maybe like the Texans or the Lions or the Colts or the Bucks or there's like a million teams where it's like would the Bengals look at it like okay let's not just put everything into this year let's keep stretching this thing as much as we can we're gonna pay Jamar they're like literally it's like late early evening in Indianapolis right now probably someone from the Bengals is talking to someone from another <laughs> team about this topic at this very moment uh, a couple other quick items I mentioned earlier the cap went up 30 million dollars that is unprecedented it was expected to go up a lot maybe like 18 to 20 this is kind of the after effects of the team's uh, printing money uh, once again now that the pandemic is, you know, in terms of financial uh, repercussions is, is kind of in the rear view. Uh, and so that's going to make it easier to keep a guy like T. Higgins or, or a guy like Saquon Barkley. And again, there's too many, uh, too much cap space out there, not enough good players. Some of the decent players that have gotten uh, released, though, in the last handful of days, Shaq Barrett from the Bucks. He's in my top 101. He's at 80. Uh, Emmanuel Agba. I think is at the very back end of the of the top one one. Xavier Howard, uh, the cornerback for the Dolphins. Some of the, some of the early cuts. It just all feels 
financially triggered in these cases, and most of these guys are still solid players and will find another team soon. Right, they're like solid but not 18, 25 yeah. cap charge type of guys. Although Xavier Howard did have two pretty pretty rough seasons, so I, I'm not sure the market for him uh, is going to be good. And, yeah, I mentioned uh, Brian Burns. And, yeah, Brett Veach, the GM of the Chiefs, said they do figure that they're going to use the tag. Now, he didn't say who it would be on. The logic is it would probably be Legereus Sneed, and they're going to try to get Chris Jones uh, signed in the meantime. Eric tells me we might have some breaking news. Let's hear it. Go. Just read read it off for me. <laughs> there it is right there. The Chiefs have informed Legereus Sneed uh, they're going to use the franchise tag for him. So I wish I had read that like 30 seconds There's ago. There's ways of communications, and then sometimes yeah. you get on a roll, and it's just... It's all good. <laughs> we got it in here. It's, it's it's in the show. I'm messaging you in like 75 different ways and eventually holding the fingers, typing fingers up and Clavon saw them. So. You know, I'm more <laughs> of a live in the moment, looking to Mark's I dig know, it. I mysterious dig it. eyes. Yeah, you're not alone. Guy. People say they'd like to do that. It, it's a good thing to do. I, I couldn't imagine spending my time in a better way. I mean, you kind of have the perfect two seats for it here. It's, yeah. it's, well, it's a one reason why you, Dan and Mark just <laughs> shut me out of conversations. Dan's just... Mesmerized. I mean, look at those things. Oh, please! What is happening here? But I, I think with with Burns and Speed, <laughs> like the tag as a negotiation strategy, like a step in the negotiation. Yes, it, it seems to be becoming the more popular thing. Oh, I think it was always popular. But I'm, I hear you. I, I think that's the reason why they created the franchise tag. And uh, well, as besides its role as a price control metric, like just procedurally, like okay, so. We're going to do this negotiation, but tag. Right. right. Now let's continue. If anything, yeah, it's always been about restricting the best players from actually leaving the team. It's a vestige of the old free agency system. And if anything, I think they do try to get these these deals done, um, maybe even more than they did 15 years ago. But you're right, Patrick. Most of the time they don't. They just end up stick, getting stuck on that tag. And I... I, I sense some optimism from Veach too on Chris Jones. We will see, and maybe who knows? Maybe we'll have. An I mean, they they he said it again. They really really want to keep him. He yeah. they think he wants to stay. He's been saying that. The one other little nugget that I thought that the Bucks, both Jason Light and Todd Bowles, came out very strongly saying like Mike Evans is very much in our plans. So I yeah. I thought that was maybe not going to be the case. And it's like they're going to push to keep him and Baker Mayfield and. If I'm a Bucks fan, I like that. I will see if we if we can believe them. If that's true, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure I do believe them. Man, I think there's gonna be a, some big offers for Mike Evans, so we'll see if they can match them. And, and it might just honestly because we're we're gonna see Derrick Henry playing somewhere else, mm-hmm. and it's just it it's weird. And and we're gonna look back. Mike Evans is going in the Bucks Ring of Honor. He may be going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It, just a couple extra years. Like what what's the price? You know, I'm with you. I, mm. I, I think you. You keep him in Tampa. Yeah, I think they would absolutely love to keep Mike Evans. Like, like they're gonna keep uh, Levante David. He he expects to stay in Tampa. He's he said as much. Um, we will continue to say things into microphones uh, with our friend Nate Tice coming up after a quick break. Nate is gonna join us, and we'll we'll talk about some of the quarterbacks at the combine. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. That music can only mean one thing. We've got a guest coming up. One I'm very excited about. This is a man who once backed up Russell Wilson at the University of Wisconsin. He is the host of the athletic football show, including a weekly episode called Prospects to Pros with Dane Brubler, which I have personally listened to all season in an effort to not be as dumb about the wow. NFL draft process this year. A self-brag arrives in the Make it personal. Introduction. Make it personal. It's Chris. Nate Tice. <laughs> Make what it up, personal. At, not as dumb because there's only so much I can do. Well, there's no, only so much I can no, do. No, you, your your program with, with Dane is, is great. It's every Wednesday. Uh, people should check it out. And yeah, no, it's a, I'm not going to say it's a total blind spot on this episode, but, uh, on this show, but we don't cover it as much until like right now. So that's, that's the purpose of, of you, Nate, to, to get us smart on these matters. It's perfect timing for Combine Week. By the way, that intro music really reminds me of the Four Horsemen in WCW with Ram Flair and Arne Anderson and everything. It's very much so. I approve of that theme. I have seen people cover that guitar solo because it's phenomenal. <laughs> but no, why, what better way to talk about the draft than literally Combine Week? Yeah. When, when I, I think the Eye of Sauron moves from the regular season mm. to the draft. And here we are in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, you you are there. We we are in the studio. And yes, our, our host, Dan Hansis, loves to play that song as a Rorschach test of what people think of. And that was, I think, the first time that we've, we've yeah, heard we, that. Yeah, we often get like, uh, you know, lonely, obsessed detective driving through the L.A. night in a, in <laughs> yeah, a yeah, yeah. BMW or something. So, yeah, there's that. Okay, I like that. Yeah, it's something that came out from 1983 to 1986. Yeah, something of that sort. Maybe sure, that's yeah. why it's Ric Flair in 1994. Yeah. Because like, they, they still acted like it was the 80s, even though it was 95. Performing a psychological test on every guest is a very damn thing <laughs> uh, to do. I, I do because Greg has increased his ball draft knowledge, right? Yeah. And I wanted to know, Nate, do you feel the level of ball knowledge generally has impacted things at the Combine based mm -hmm. on the way that it seems like, from what I'm hearing from podiums and interviews that team officials are very reluctant to say anything do you think that your contribution to the level of ball knowledge has stunted conversation at the mm. just me personally it's a team effort it's a team effort nate but it's a team everybody. effort no i do i think the general fan has become smarter and i also think the the advanced fan has become smarter as well. And, and I think there is a growing, I mean, shoot, you guys shoot Mina, Bill Barnwell. There's many people out there that do so much good stuff. Uh, and that I think that's what it is. I think that people realize, oh, there is more to this game rather than just grit and who wants it more, which does matter. Uh, but also like, yeah, the, the intricacies of the scheme stuff, even the processes. I mean, there's so many, so many articles you could write, but it feels like there's a new article about some process with the draft or training or how teams look at guys. So I do think there is some of that. And also we're getting into a point where coaches aren't showing up for the combine, right. which if you told me that 10 years ago, five years ago, I'd be like, really? Like, is he sick? <laughs> um, and, and like, so that, that blows my mind. And I, the player stuff, I understand, especially after post COVID, 
you know, you know, after um, kind of the changes of what they realize they can and cannot do. But I do think that people have become more savvy as far as like how they answer stuff or even coded stuff, mm. uh, because I do think the general fan has bumped up a lot. The floor has, I think, raised up a little bit, at least maybe I'm just in my own little bubble, but that's how I think. No, I, th I think the the attention and look the draft community is bigger than ever like there are a lot of draft nicks out there uh you got to try to stand apart nate you got to cover the nfl and the draft and one of the things i i've you know noticed this year is you've been a drake may guy and so we got the news this week that the top three expected quarterbacks caleb williams drake may Jaden daniels in, in whatever order they end up going that's that's probably the consensus order but who knows uh, are not going to throw at the comment. That's not surprising. That's not new for for top prospects over over the years. Uh, but I want to talk about them them anyways because you've been you've been a May guy throughout. And maybe for the for the average fan out there, like why are you a May guy? And you're you're a Caleb Williams guy too because I, I hear am. I hear you rank the two of them probably among the seven or eight you know six or seven best quarterback prospects of the last like twelve years where you know you would have had Caleb Williams number one in almost every draft. You just like Drake May a little bit better and that the two of them are that high a level of prospect. Why, why the separation between those two and kind of those two as a group? What do you think? Yeah, they. I, I truly think they are as top tier of a prospect as you can get. There's no perfect prospect, of course, and that that's going into that, and I'll just be corny and say that. But I've been kind of like officially scouting guys, like as far as like actually doing this process and watching six, seven, eight games of all 22 since 2014 I was still with the Fal I was uh, joined the Falcons and I would say in that time period so that's about a decade um Caleb Williams Drake May are up there with Trevor Lawrence as in some way shape or form that top tier of prospect that I've ever watched mm. and then you get off of that then I mean I was pretty high on fields but he was a tier below that I was high uh you know like Stroud I was you know full tier below that and even if I liked him or Richardson you know last year as well um but I I think with these guys Caleb was a guy I got low on during the season. And then now I just studied him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're awesome. And you are <laughs> supremely accurate. And I think that's the underrated. I'll start with Caleb. But that's the underrated thing with him is that he's really good from the pocket. And a lot of that scrambling, running around stuff was out of necessity because that offense blew. <laughs> and the offensive line was no good. And I thought he didn't get a lot of help, which surprised me from going from TV copy to all 22. And I, it just grew and grew and grew. I am comparing him to freaking Drew Brees coming out of Purdue um, because of just that accuracy and how he operates. And on top of all the stuff, the, the ad-libbing and the creation and everything, I think he has rare contact balance. He, he's he's tremendous to me. I, I The accuracy and the work from the pocket has been so underrated with him. And that's why on top of all the cool stuff where he gets comp comparisons to Mahomes, that's, you know, that's a cool package. But May and why I prefer him, it, it's, it's 1A, 1B. They're both top five guys to me. Easy. May to me is the prototype as far as size, 6'4, 230. He's a great athlete. And I think that's been underrated for him in this process. He is one of the most efficient and explosive scramblers in recent memory, um, as far as like coming out of college, like as far as just earning first downs. He's smart with getting down to once he gets past there, but I think he's going to run like a four, six something. I, I think he's a very good athlete. On top of it, he's aggressive and he works over the middle. And the comparison I and why I always want to bring up the over the middle stuff is. I think of that as like three-point shooting, but for quarterbacks. Mm. <laughs> so if you can't do that, you have to be an exceptional athlete, like a Russell Westbrook, who can't shoot. Or if you you have to be like Chris Paul, 
and make like Joe Burrow is a great example. He doesn't really work over the middle as much as you would think, but he's a monster in quick game. And he's a monster in just accuracy and all that. He's like Chris Paul. He can shoot those long twos instead of shooting threes. And so to me, you have to have those gifts. May does that. He launches stuff over the middle with timing, with uh, arm strength, and with just anticipation throwing stuff, like throwing guys open truly. And so, sorry, I got new headphones because I forgot mine. So I had to buy $20 headphones at the airport. No, look, it works. It looks great. It looks like a podcaster. yeah, right. I know, right? I actually thought I looked like, uh, remember the dream team when, you know, Charles Barkley said, I don't know who who they are, but we're going to stomp them or whatever we're going to say. Like, <laughs> I feel like I have the translation headphones right there. Uh, Algeria, I think it was. But <laughs> I think, uh, um, I think, uh, no, but I watch him. It's just, he's that total package. When I watch these elite guys, the, it's hard. I'm not going to compare anyone to Mahomes, but Josh Allen, Lamar, Justin Herbert, those type of guys, a Burrow, even a Dak Prescott or Matthew Stafford. They work that shit over the middle over and over and over. It's because that is the juiciest area to create explosive plays, but it requires a lot of balls from the quarterback. So I and saw I think you May has that. <laughs> I, I saw you doing um, a sit down with the uh, Chicago Bears. It might have been a radio station or a pod, but it was recent. And you were you were pounding the table for May. And like I even this morning on Twitter, I've seen some people coming from such a different place on that quarterback. And you've got people that look at Caleb Williams and say. A big chunk of what he did in college won't work or translate to the NFL. It's like, so the opinions are all over the place. But if you're the Chicago Bears uh, and this dog and pony show about what might happen with fields, like, are, do you have to believe that they're looking at these two quarterbacks the same that you are saying this is an absolute upgrade from Justin Fields? And without any question, no matter what we're saying publicly, these two guys or who you move on from your current, current quarterback to get one of them, if it's, and I don't know which one it is, but it's like their heads yeah. and tails better than fields in your mind. It, I, I, I do. And even I am still high on fields and still think he could be a, a pretty good quarterback in this league. I just think he has blemishes that I don't know if he can overcome with his throwing style. He, I just talked about all that stuff throwing over the middle fields. Doesn't do that. He's not good in quick game. He actually like his upside still is almost like a Russell Wilson when in his prime, you know, running around, launching great deep balls, having some limitations and some of the stuff, you know, throwing stuff underneath and over the middle. So when I look at that, and like I said, these two as prospects, I still view higher than Fields, even though I was, Fields might be five or six, you know, the guys I've watched in the last 10 years. But I think these guys are a tier better and because they do the things that Fields has shown that he hasn't been able to do, even with a little better situation this past year. And that's even before getting into the contract stuff. And I know kind of fake smart people want to like use that as like a whole talking point, but it doesn't matter. And, and resetting the rookie contract scale, especially when you're paying guys like Montez sweat and stuff like that. So that helps the argument as well. I said on that little bears podcast too, and not, Oh, that's mean, but that bears podcast too is that <laughs> I, it was that <laughs> I love those guys. I don't know why I said little, but uh, there's like one of them asked, like, would you bump if they traded with Washington flopped that one pick and got the other guy And that it was May in this example, I was like, that's ideal to me. If you look at them in the same tier, which, which is what I do, that would be the ideal one. trade fields, move back to two, get even more capital and then take the other guy, the one B of the, of the two guys. Right. I, did, I don't want to spend any more on, on this because I want to get to the other quarterbacks, but it, it does concern me that like one of these two guys is going to be coached by the same guy that was coaching that that terrible USC offense that's a year tough. ago that suddenly like everyone's like, wow, this was really hard to watch this offense. And it's like that guy is going to be coaching one of them. But let, let's let's move. Let's move on from that. Yeah, let's let's go down to Jaden. Um, I've, I've called it Nate amateur kinesiology, right, with the body type concerns. How concerned yeah. are you uh, with Jaden's body type? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, wow. I am concerned and uh, I'm going to put on my boomer scout hat on a little bit. 
Uh, he's got narrow shoulders and that's frame. It's all about, you know, filling out the frame. Even a guy like CJ Stroud last year, that was 214, I think. He has broad shoulders and big hands. And why I'm bringing that up is frame to grow. Right. He's already gained. Like that's like 60. me. Big shoulders, big hands. I've always had potential <laughs> to just get bigger. Okay. We don't Long doubt arms. that. Sorry. Yeah, no, but with Daniels is that I, I think he's maxed out. Like he's already gained mm. like 60 pounds. I think he went to college at 140, 145, like in a ridiculously low weight when Whoa. he went to Arizona State. And when you look at quarterbacks, and this is honestly, I remember coming on here, quarterbacks under 210, not even 205, which is what Daniels is listed at. And I think he's more like 195. Is you can, it, it's hard to find a quarterback under 210 or even 205 that has had long term success in the NFL. If you look even since 2000, the year 2000, the only quarterback to have, I, I look at adjusted net yards, you know, touchdowns, interceptions, takeaway sack yardage, uh, seven or more is usually like a top five, top six quarterback season uh, in a given year. There's only been two quarterbacks, I'm sorry, three quarter, no, two quarterbacks since 2000 have seven or more, and that's Kirk Cousins and Jeff Garcia. And so, okay, let's drop it to six yards, which is like a top half season. So above average type of quarterback year, you're throwing in Aaron Brooks. And that's that's the only other guy that you can throw in there. So Bree- Breeze has got to be on the borderline there, but yeah. You got the 209. So okay. Breeze got the 209. So that's, that's what helps him out. <laughs> so that four, uh, that four pounds is like, that is four pounds. I, well, well, that's the other thing is Daniels is 6'4". So he's yeah. long and slender. And and that's that's another thing. Like Breeze is stout. That's why I should compare him to Caleb Williams is they actually kind of are going to weigh about the same. It might be like 212 or something. But I think that's where my concerns are. It's just this is a historical outlier. And on top of it, he no one has scrambled more um, over the last five years than Daniels. And that's how he chooses to play. It, it's a hard and he's reckless. <laughs> so it's really just durability stuff that is my main concern. And then on top of it, you know, when pulling out of the pocket, like defenders pulling out of their grasp. So that leaves me just a little hesitant, especially teams talking about or people looking at him as a top five guy. That's like I grade him more as like a late first, early second type that will probably get inflated, of course. But I've had some blemishes. I'm writing about him right now. And I, as I dove more into it, I've had more, I have more concerns than I did going into it. Hmm. Yeah. He, he's someone that like, I know that the draft picks and you guys, you guys on um, prospect approach, like the QB three discussion was a big one all season. Like who's going to be this third yeah. quarterback. And I would say like half the country had no idea that Jaden Daniels was going to be a consensus top five pick. Doesn't, doesn't mean anything though, because we've seen that over and over. And then those guys do get taken uh, very high and sometimes they're, they're awesome. And sometimes they're not of the guys that are throwing at the combine. Uh, so, you know, Michael Penix and Bo Nix and, mm-hmm. and, uh, is JJ McCarthy throwing? Do we know that? I think he is, isn't he? I think he is. Yeah. Yes, I think um, is. like who's your favorite flavors, uh, among, oh. among the rest of the guys. I, I've grown on McCarthy a little bit, but it's not like I'm like, Oh, I'll take him in the first round. <laughs> he probably will go because I do think. Shanahan coaches are going to love him from that tree. There's going to be a lot of, him. there's got to be a lot of Broncos McCarthy thing. Yeah. And that's a lot higher, you know, or, or even, or even Atlanta at I, like eight or something. Atlanta, Atlanta or Vikings at 11. Mm. Um, I actually think that's the one I actually think he'll like him. I just brought up all that weight stuff. JJ McCarthy has the same concerns. <laughs> He's sub two Oh five as well. And, uh, but I actually do think there are some comparisons with him and cousins when he was coming out of Michigan state cousins went in the fourth round. You know, it's not like he was a top 20 guy. And I uh, McCarthy has a couple things that coaches like. And even as I you only have so many snaps with him because they didn't throw the ball much, is that he's willing to throw the ball in the middle, rec- like not just reckless, but like aggressive. 
And also he can throw on the move. He's he's a good athlete and he's he's got a loose live arm. And certain coaches from certain offenses, they like that a lot. Not so much me. I like big arm throw far. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, but a guy like this is like I I can see certain people really liking it, even if I don't have that graded as high. But he's kind of grown on me. And then after that, like Knicks and Penix, I'm a lukewarm on, or, or I should say glass half empty on. And then and then Spencer Rattler is probably another one. I actually do like how he spins the ball. Um, his more stuff is more off field and maturity and stuff and how he is as a leader. So that I'll find out probably more throughout this week, but he's another guy worth mentioning. How many quarterbacks go in the first round this time around? Mm. I think four end up going. Uh, I think, I think McCarthy gets in there. I think Daniels is in there. And then of course, May and and Williams, I think it'll end up being four. Mm. It's, it's annoying me. You just brought up like seven different quarterbacks and none of them was, were the subject of most of our, text messages over the course of the season, which was Tulane quarterback, Michael Pratt. Nice, Michael Pratt. nice mid-round option for a guy who I think will have a nice yeah, long career. Absolutely. Athletic, athletic, he can make, yeah. it, make it happen. But we don't need to spend time on Pratt. Before, before you let you go, Nate, and um, I do want to thank you once again for during Super Bowl week, you invited uh, me out to get off the strip because Nate is a Vegas local. That was a home game for him. And just it to was. go to like a normal pizza place in a normal neighborhood of Las Vegas, which does apparently exist. And it did feel <laughs> like a breath of fresh air. I'd never had seen that before. And it, it like it, it really helped recharge me for the week. So that was amazing. I before we before we let you go, who like at a wide receiver position are you looking forward to seeing this week actually do stuff on the field? Yeah, it seems like Harrison and neighbors aren't doing anything. So and Dunze, Roman Dunze from Washington, uh, I, I think I, I'm curious what he runs. He He's a Vegas guy, too. He actually went to a high school right down the road from me, uh, Bishop Gorman. And he was a track star there. But now he weighs about 215, 218. I'm a huge fan of him. I think Daniel Jeremiah has him like as a top three guy. Um, he, he's he's a really good player. I compare him to Chris Godwin. Um, I, I'm curious how he how he runs. I'm excited to watch him. Another guy I'm really excited is A.D. Mitchell from Texas. Uh, really has grown on me, really twitchy, uh, transferred from Georgia, big pedigree guy, you know, five-star type of guy. Uh, he really grew on me as I watched more and more of him. So I'm, I want to see how he tests because I think he might be able to jump out of the gym. And mm. I'm pretty excited to watch that happen. I think, uh, I think you've said it all, Nate. You've got like 15 other shows that you have to do today, including your own. Uh, and then you're, oh you have any like uh, night plans here and i guess you don't need to make plans ahead of time in, in indianapolis that's what well bucky told me yesterday you have to mm. you have to mm. unless of reservation well what? there were conflicting well, tell me who was right tell me who was right uh nate because ian said he didn't have to make reservations bucky said he did um mm. we, we assume that ian's just walking into places because red carpet for ian what right. do you have to how right. do how do you operate in indy i hope i get an invite uh if not i always i always do a roost chris by myself i i'm a sucker for roost chris so just going back to i just like it, the chain and indy's one is pretty good so i always do one meal by myself there but then usually i'm just hoping for an invite somewhere i know i got a 14 15 month year old at, at home this is this is me catching up on sleep this week mm. like that, that that's what i'm doing this that's week. Real. so i yeah i got more curfews than i used to uh when i used to come to indianapolis <laughs> so yeah just hope for the invite i think st elmo's though is uh you know, a little basic. That's a real man right there. That's a man who's, bomb. who's comfortable in um, himself. That he likes spending time with himself. 
and uh, his friend Ruth Chris. Enjoy, Nate. <laughs> Just a loser. <laughs> Thank you. Just a loser. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> See you, Nate. <laughs> See you, guys. I feel like that was a good kind of entry point. We're just starting. It's time to start start grinding that that tape. Little primer. I Tesla. feel like I feel behind Nate Tice. I feel like he's well, been yeah. doing more work that's on this okay. than, that's than, his, than we have. That's his thing. He's making rankings. He's one of the draft nicks. It's fine to catch up late. Um, you know, kids in school, especially classes you're not as passionate about. Cramming's fine. <laughs> doing doing it all at the last minute's fine if as long as you do enough. As at long the last as you minute. get it done. Right. There are many paths. Right. Like if it's something you love, you love reading and writing, you want to put in the work throughout the whole semester, the class, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, you're right. The whole time you're not as into science. Just just uh, find a, a cheat, a, uh, not a cheat, but, you know, find a way to hey, cram at the last. Whatever time. it takes, whatever it takes. Yeah, exactly. It That's and I, I enjoy the draft, but I enjoy the draft process starting with the combine and like watching the combine is perfect prep for it because you just all that stuff from like DJ and it just becomes osmosis to where you're talking about. Well, they know. give us that 500 page right. PDF. You could, you're like, Oh yeah. And Olaf Fashanu's like drop step is too big. <laughs> I uh, Dan will be back on Thursday to really settle this thing down. It always gets too long when, when I'm here uh, running the show. Uh, we will be back then. And uh, for Mark Sessler, for Patrick Claybon, for Nate Tice, for Chris Wesling on the uh, the Top 10 show, for Eric and Randy behind the glass, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.